Okay, thank you. We're going to look for just a few minutes at Luke chapter 2. I'm not going to take the time to read it this morning since I already read it <laughs> during the program. Uh, it was not all in one segment, but we, we did read most of it there. But uh, it, in Luke chapter 2, we read that Joseph and Mary made their way to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a very small town in those days, just a few miles south of Jerusalem. It's described for us back in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, with these words, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little among the clans of Judah, from you one shall go forth for me to be, from me to be a ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago and his days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when she is in labor, has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return, the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. It's amazing that God chose Jerusalem as the place. Or excuse me, Bethlehem. Thank you. What, what, what would I do without a wife? <laughs> don't, don't, don't answer that question. <laughs> that he chose Bethlehem as the place for Jesus to come into the world. I like what Danny read in, in the opening there, describing Bethlehem and, and the fact that this was the place. Why not Nazareth? Why not Jerusalem? Bethlehem was not a religious epicenter. It was not a political center. There was no palace there. Maybe just one in, maybe two at the most, but uh, no place for a little child to, be, to come into this world. And yet he came in Bethlehem as a powerless child, not to assert his authority over us with a sword, but to go to the cross in love and to affirm his love by way of the cross. Today and next week, we're going to focus on this one who was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's baby today. Next week, we'll look at Bethlehem's sovereign there. But we're familiar with the story, the census, the trip to Nazareth, the, the birth in a stable, the angels announcing the birth to the shepherds, the wise men, and so forth. We, we go over this year after year. But why did he come into this world? Two thoughts today, and then we'll look at the third one next week. He came, first of all, as a Savior. Notice in verse 11 in Luke chapter 2, he speaks of the fact that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He came as a Savior. Now, that was not a new message. That message was given to Joseph back in the... Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 there, when he was wrestling with, should he take Mary as his wife? Should he divorce her? Should he put her to death? What, what was to happen to her there? And the angel came and revealed that she was with child of the Holy Spirit and that he was to be the Messiah. He was to be the Savior that was coming into the world. Why did he come as a Savior? The need for that began back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God. God had given them but one command, and they chose to, to, to break that command. And they were lost in their trespasses and sin. In that moment, God met with them and promised them that the seed of a woman would come and demonstrated for them through the coats of skin there the fact that there needed to be a death for a Savior there. 
But he didn't come just for Adam and Eve. He came for all of us. Because as you come down to Romans chapter 3, as Paul sums up all of humanity there, he says in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need the Savior. He came and he went to the cross for us. He didn't provide just a sacrifice for Adam, but he did it for us. Uh, God provided a sacrifice through the coats of the skin. There were many sacrifices offered throughout the Old Testament, but none of them was sufficient to pay the price for sin. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, The law was given by Moses, but what? Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Got to back up away from those speakers, I think. The law could regulate sin, uh, lives, but it could not change the heart. It could not bring true salvation to an individual. And so in the book of Hebrews, we, we read, the law was just the shadow of good things to come. It could never, in verse 1, could never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, make perfect those who drew near to God. Then in verse 4, he says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And then he goes on to, to say in verse 10, but by his will, by Christ's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's why he came, to give himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works. It's not of our own doings. It's through the grace of God that we come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. No wonder the angel sang for joy as they approached Bethlehem that day. No wonder they celebrate it with song and, and singing through the heavens there because a Savior had been born. Jesus Christ had come into this world, into the city of David, as a Savior for the world. But notice he also came as a shepherd. In Micah chapter 5 that we read in verse 4, it says, He shall shepherd his people, Israel. Same verse is quoted in Matthew chapter 2, the story of the wise men as they came. They went to the place that they thought the Savior would be born. They went to Jerusalem. That's where the palace was. That's where the temple was. That, where else would you expect a Messiah? But as they searched and they could not find him there, the Pharisees searched the scriptures. And they found in the book of Micah that he was to be born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem of Judea there. And it goes on to, to make mention in that verse in Matthew chapter 2 that not only would he be born in Bethlehem, but he would shepherd his people. He would be the shepherd for, for those that come to Christ through him. Ever wonder why the angels announced the coming of Christ to the shepherds? In many ways, shepherds in those days were the outcasts of society. As a matter of fact, shepherds were not supposed to even come into the temple. Many of them would take care of the sacrificial lambs, but they, they were not allowed to participate in the events in, in the temple because they were considered unclean. This was not looked at as a good uh, means of employment there. And yet, in many ways, of all people, they would understand the message. They would understand what it meant for the Messiah to come as a shepherd. They were the ones that tended the sacrificial lamb. 
they knew the requirements for, for those lambs and the requirement for, that, that the law spelled out for them. And they were the ones that lived with the reality of the death of a lamb. Because many times they would take those lambs and, and they would be sold and, and sacrificed there on the altar in Jerusalem. The picture of a shepherd is familiar in Scripture. We get a glimpse of it back in Psalm 23. Very familiar one. I wonder how many of you learned that as one of the Psalms as a child. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, we could go through the rest of it. I'm not going to take you through all of it today. But the shepherd there cares for the sheep. He protects them. He, He restores them. Even, he said, even if the sheep walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they don't need to fear evil. Why? Because the shepherd is there. He is there with them every step of the way. That psalm encompasses all of our lives. There is no area in your life today that is beyond his care and his concern. He is our shepherd. And then in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus reveals that he's not only the shepherd, but he said, I'm the good shepherd. And the reason he was the good shepherd is because he was going to lay down his life for the sheep. Later in John chapter 15, as he's speaking with his disciples in verse 13, he says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And he did that for us, not when we were friends, but when we were enemies. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 speaks of the fact, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Went to the cross so that we could experience eternal life. The story doesn't end there, though. In Hebrews chapter 13, he's described for us as the great shepherd. Not just the good shepherd, but the great shepherd of the sheep. In Hebrews 10, starting in verse 20, we read, Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Why is he the great shepherd? Because his blood is the blood of the everlasting covenant. His blood is what secured our redemption. His blood is what makes it possible for us to have eternal life today. But that's just the beginning. We're so familiar with that part of it. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. He holds that hope out to us today. But notice as the great shepherd not only provides eternal life, he equips us for this life. He equips us to do his will, his work, whatever it is that is pleasing in his sight. Uh, he is still at work in our hearts and lives. Philippians 1 says that he which hath begun a good work in you is going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so as you think of Bethlehem today, a humble place, a humble beginning for the Messiah, and yet as I think of that, I think of the story that was told so many years ago of a Persian monarch. This individual, though he ruled over the, the Persian Empire, had a desire to do what was best for his people. And to do that, he wanted to get to know them. And so many times he would disguise himself, mingle with the people on the streets so that he could learn their problems and and their needs. 
On one occasion, he went as a poor citizen to one of the public baths. And there, underneath the bath, in the tiny cellar, sat an old man whose job was to tend the furnace. He talked to the lonely man, and at mealtime, he often ate of his plain food. The weeks that followed, he visited him often, and the man grew to love him dearly. Then one day, the emperor revealed his true identity. Expecting to hear a request of some expensive gift, he was surprised when his subject just sat there silently gazing at him in awe and wonder. Finally, he said, Sir, you have left your palace and your glory to sit with me in this dark place, to eat of my coarse bread and to care whether my heart is glad or sad. You may give your rich presence to others, but you have given yourself to me. Please, your majesty, never withdraw the priceless gift of your friendship. And in a very small way, that is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us. Left the glories of heaven, left his throne, came into this world as a little baby in the city of Bethlehem, grew, and eventually went to the cross so that we could be friends with God. And aren't you glad today as you ponder that, that he never withdraws that gift from us? doesn't matter what trials we may have in this world. It doesn't matter what our circumstances may be. The important thing is we have his friendship. He is with us every step of the way. As you ponder that this week, I wonder how many times do we feel insignificant? We don't have any great office in life. We, We don't have any great deeds that we've done. And yet the amazing thing is just as God came In a little city of Bethlehem, God has chosen to come and dwell within us. And if he is there, we're not insignificant. If he is there, we're friends of the king. We can rejoice in what he is doing in our lives and what he wants to do through our lives. The challenge as we think of Christmas is not how are we going to get through this week with all of its activities and uh, I know most of you men probably haven't gotten all your presents bought and so forth yet. And and there's 101 things that you have to do between now and next week. But, you know, none of that is really important. The important thing is, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you turned your life over to him? He came to be your Savior. He came to be your shepherd. Have you accepted that fact and have you asked him, to be the savior of your life. If you haven't, we'd invite you to do that today. You're certainly welcome to visit with us afterwards, and we will explain to you how you can become a child of Jesus Christ, how this little one that came into Bethlehem, now the Lord of Lords, as we'll see next week, how he wants to enter your life and bless you and be that friend that you need as you walk through life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reality of Christmas. Here was God come in human form. Father, we marvel at that, and we confess that we don't understand the depth of your love. We don't understand why you would come, but yet we want to just say thank you that you did, and thank you that you are for us a Savior today. Help us as we go through the Christmas season to keep our eyes focused on who you are and what you mean to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Dan, we'll turn it over to you. We don't have a song in between.